Listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast, where we explore traditional tabletop and live action role playing games through the lens of horror. A special thank you to our Patreons for helping make this podcast possible. Settle in, Thin Bloods, grab a drink in your favorite set of dice, and let the darkness consume you. Hi, everyone. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining us. This is Gehenna Gaming. Um, I am Archosius. I am Def Malkavia, and this is my uh, co host. The co-hostess with the mostest, Marchosius. I wouldn't uh, say with the mostest. I would say and, with some of this. And, and partial uh, <laughs> of thisness. We are going to be talking about Cults of the Blood Gods, as Mark said, the new uh, supplement book for Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition, which covers uh, kindred and mortal religions in the world of darkness. Um, and I believe Matthew Dawkins, the lead developer of this book, did say that this is really one of the only... Uh, source books uh, covering religion in uh, the World of Darkness line, barring uh, the Canaan Heresy, which is Dark Ages. Yep. And uh, was Gilded Cage? Well, that was mostly paths, right? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily religion. And some of the some of the the Sabbat book had that, but this is the very first religion specific um, supplement for Vampire the Masquerade for any edition. Um, and the very first real supplement for for V five um, outside of what is it fall uh, Chicago by night and, and fall of Rome um, or fall of fall London of, excuse me fall of London fall of Rome <laughs> is coming soon hopefully but first um, we just launched our uh, Patreon which you can find uh, Patreon dot com slash Gehenna Gaming. Um, there are multiple tiers with really, really cool stuff. We have story time available. We have, you know, special one shots. We have all sorts of different things that you can do. Um, but ultimately, it's just a way for you guys to support what we're doing. And it, it's um, it's extremely helpful. And obviously, we're, we're humbled that there's already a couple of people who are very interested in helping us out. So thank you Absolutely. to all of our patrons. If you're watching, you are amazing. Let's talk about uh, Cult of the Blood Gods. Um, obviously, I... Don't know. Or the, I believe the Kickstarter is still running. Um, it is. So please back it if you haven't. Um, know that if you back it, it is a pledge. So they don't charge your, They don't charge you immediately. Um, it's really just a pledge once the Kickstarter is over. Um, and it, it right now the stretch goal as they're in, uh, I believe, helps to give a bonus to the creative team. So you're you're helping yeah. the creative team, which is always a good thing. It's it's. I think it's my favorite. Uh... What do they call them? Gee, stretch goals? Yeah. Stretch goals. Mm-hmm. What am I talking about? I forget that. Uh, it's my favorite stretch goal because uh, I want more people who write these books and the people who have already written all this great content to have a better quality of life and to enrich themselves, their families, their careers, and make more of this great stuff. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of want to see this as a stretch goal every time and yeah. probably sooner down the tier. It's almost like, um, and I don't blame them. They didn't realize it was going to be uh, as big of a success as it was. I'm sure we all thought it was going to be a massive success because we want this book, like you know, <laughs> which a rabid monkey is going for the banana truck. Yeah, it's about time. You know? Give yeah. me those bananas. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
printed already, all right? Um, no, but it, it's it's a great book. It's written by great people, and uh, that's what we're here to talk about today. So if you guys haven't heard, um, Onyx Pathcast, um, Onyx Path Publishing's podcast, um, just released an episode, which is essentially a, a development diary. Um, it's it's Matthew Dawkins' Dev Diary, and it's pretty awesome because throughout the development of the book, um, you know he's obviously leading the charge as creative director for for Cult of the Blood Gods, and he's kind of peeking behind, letting us peek behind the veil and see, you know, what goes into a development of a supplement like this. How does the kind of freelance content vetting process work? Um, what his thought process was. Um, how he went, how they, the team went through, you know, various iterations and, and, uh, you know, early editions of, of the content before anybody even took a look at it before the Kickstarter and everything else. Um, so definitely go check that out after this Twitch stream. Don't leave. Um, (laughs) wait until we're done babbling at you and and then listen to it. Um, (laughs) but one of the things that he did say is that, uh, you know, you mentioned that that they probably didn't, you know, foresee it doing as well as it did. They, I believe, he said, he talked about it. It would be, we would be lucky if we'll make maybe a hundred k. And yeah, he even said he he thinks that, you know, he thought it could possibly do better than Chicago by Night, but realistically, he's like, I think it'll do maybe just a little bit below because Chicago by Night was a big hit for them. And uh, do you know? Yeah, then do it, you know what Chicago got funded in like twelve hours? Yeah, really quick. Yeah. I mean, within the same day. It was, like, unbelievable. Everybody was ready for this. Um, and I think I have a couple of theories why it yeah. it did so well, um, but I want to hear yours. Why do you, why do you think it did Jeez. so well so quickly? <laughs> My prepared answer is that it's the Giovanni. Yeah. And I love the Giovanni. It was yeah. my, my first character playing vampire was a Giovanni. And um, I'm super excited to have this book come out because I'm going to take that character and put him in her larger world. And uh, just just a fun character to play. So making him an, into an NPC is going to be a real, oh, man, like a dream come true. Because I love V5 so much. Um, yeah. And the cool part but, is that with uh, with the Giovanni now, you can have them you know learn the ways of the Loa and... and get into some voodoo from the Samedi because it seems to me that with the Hakata, all of the various bloodlines and clans that are now kind of lumped in this, this clan Hakata um, can all kind of learn from each other, which is amazing because it takes out some of the problematic aspects of some of the bloodlines. Um, There are some issues with Samedi that, that I have personally and that a lot of people have talked about as well um, from a a cultural Mm -hmm. perspective um, but to put yeah, it, I can see that right. I mean, it's just because it's got this whole this kind of zombie voodoo thing, which I get. But it's at a certain point, I think. It, I think this book really is is helping to kind of elevate all of that. Yeah, and um, I think that was one of the reasons they brought the Samedi in uh, part of the Dev Diary that explicitly talked about this. Was he liked hiring? Um, a bunch of diverse writers, different backgrounds, mm-hmm. different cultures, different ethnicities, because uh, they have experiences that will tell a better story uh, than just a bunch of Caucasian uh, cisgendered <laughs> white guys. <laughs> you know, um, you have people from all over the world and you tell stories and you, you kind of get those experiences of their lifetimes. 
put in peppered into the story and it just makes it more believable. And I think when he was talking about Samedi, um, yeah, because you run the fine line of kind of showcasing a culture, but then also stereotyping or drawing too heavily on the cliche. And by bringing them all into one group, um, which is what people really loved about the Giovanni. I think uh, in a previous, uh, I don't know if it's an interview or whatever, he was talking about how the one thing that people really loved about the Giovanni was they were a family. Like people joke about the incest thing and, you know, oh, they're the the mafioso necromancers. But the, the one thing everyone seemed to like about them with every survey was that they were a tight knit group. It wasn't like, uh, I mean, the Tremere are as well, but it's such a pyramid structure that it's not familial. Yeah. You know, you're not one of, you're one of them, but they don't really have your back as much as, uh, you know, Grandpa Joe got uh, partially whacked and he came crawling back to the haven alive. (laughs) And you're uh, nursing him back to health with the old uh, Vitae juice. And uh, now, like, every Giovanni in the world has got their gun sights on uh, the son of a gun who uh, whacked, tried to whack Grandpa Joe. Uh, (laughs) It's different, you know, and to have the Semedi and all of these kind of fringe bloodline groups under one roof, story-wise... That's going to take a lot because there's been a lot of animosity. Uh, the Giovanni have not been particularly friendly to other necromancer groups in the past. <laughs> yeah. Ate some of them, killed some of them. But, you know, to have them all in one thing now makes a lot more sense. Uh, I could almost see, you know, speaking of internal f- family conflict, um, especially with the um, uh, the killing of Augustus. Uh so I, I, I would love to interview is over. I want to I want to participate in or see a uh, a chronicle in, in that is just within the the Hakata. Like a Hakata yeah, only chronicle would be very interesting. Well, they did say they were doing one. Uh, it's towards the end of the book. I forget who he said was writing it. Not sure if it was Rachel. Um, Forget her name. It was a woman, I think. But there is a chronicle that's going to be very much like um, what Clara Hosher Herbal did for um, the sacrifice in Chicago yeah. by Night. Um, but boy, golly, do I want there to be some story background to this uh, Harbingers of Skulls who somehow got their uh, teeth into uh, uh, Uncle Augie. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Now that now the the gun has uh, pointing towards the. Harbingers. By the way, son's name is Augie, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Did you, well, hey, listen, my daughter's name is Lilith, so. Um, well, <laughs> why do you get on one up me like that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I mean, you know, okay, I want to go, but I want to go back to to why this is so successful, so quickly, so fast. Um, you know, outside of the. Outside of the content of the book, I, which I want to get to, but I think that one of the reasons why this is so successful are, are for a couple of reasons. Number one, you have Onyx Path Publishing, which oh, yeah. is – this is my personal opinion. This is not the official opinion of Gehenna Gaming. Pretty sure it is. <laughs> but I personally think that Onyx Path Publishing is um, the best company to be working on Vampire the Masquerade right now. Um, they kind of always have been. Uh, they're extremely ethical. I mean, even just listening to the to the Dev Diary for Matthew Dawkins, you know, their approach is is phenomenal. 
Um, then you have Matthew Dawkins himself, who is uh, not to use a cliche, but a tour de force. Um, he is the uh, the the next generation Jason Carl. Um, I think that he. I would say he's more of the next generation Justin McKilly. That's a, okay. Because, okay. Because of how prolific and uh, yeah, very prolific. Justin McKilly was, and he had a big impact. And yeah. uh, I mean, Matthew Dawkins, uh, great guy, great uh, great sense of humor. And uh, more importantly, a, a very, very well-spoken um, writer, both in his writing and his creativity, but also for um, just kind of fostering what, le- what we like to do with yeah. Gehenna Gaming, an open, uh, dialogue-driven, inclusive gaming atmosphere. And uh, I get that sense from him, which is great. And honestly, I get that sense from everyone on Oxpath. Um but yeah, they're like a hallmark of quality lately. Yeah, okay, they, okay. Uh, they worked on vampire books before they even formed Onyx Path. Mm-hmm. I mean, Richard Thomas did a lot of the art direction for years, um, for all of, a lot of the books. So yeah, I think it's in good hands. Um, and yeah, I'm interested to see uh, what more comes out from them. And honestly, even if other uh, writing groups or writing teams or publishers came on board. Um, it would be exciting, but yeah. when you have Onyx Path working on a book, you know it's going to be great quality. Absolutely. Not to say that we're not going to give anyone a chance. I'm sure there's other great publishing teams and writers who would do some fantastic work. But, you know, when you see a familiar face, you get a little happy and excited. <laughs> um, so let's let's dive into it. Let's let's get into what they've been releasing so far. Obviously, if you're a backer, um, you've been getting emails regularly from Richard. Um giving you little sneak peek uh, chapters. Um, I have been kind of, I've been repeating over and over and over again to everybody that I've been having conversations with that are having very solid um, opinions on it to uh, the information you're reading in the releases could change. Now, most of it that you're reading probably won't. Um, I know that there's a, a couple of typos here and there, uh, but they're giving us some a, a sneak peek. So, you know, I I personally don't think that people and and maybe deaf, maybe you have a different opinion than I do, but I don't personally think that people should be utilizing this material um, in their games until this project is done. Yeah. Um... No, good point. I mean, take. yeah, well, it's true. Well, I mean, either way, I would throw money in it, uh, even if it wasn't in this late stage of development, just because I would want this book to happen. So whether they had a lot of um, things to show me of things in progress or not, I would still back it, most likely. Um, but you forgot to answer your own question, sir. Oh, uh, what was it? What was my question? You had two of them. What What do you think makes this book... Um, so exciting yeah. and, uh, that it stands out. Uh, well, did I answer for you with my old Giovanni thing? (laughs) (laughs) No, because there's, there's, I am, um, I am a amateur student of religion. Um, so, you know, uh, it's just an interest that I have, uh, of various religions, various cults, uh, stuff that I'm reading from the releases is is pretty amazing and obviously inspired by um anthropology um and this is something that's extremely important and should i feel like was ignored for a long time 
um, oh, indeed. and mishandled um, with Vampire the Masquerade. And a lot of the, a lot of the games that I've participated in um, ever since my very, 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 very first game when I was in high school, um, I played a, a bruja that was involved in a, in a kindred cult. Um, oh, and, it, and it was a, the approach was that this is not, this is not like a, you know, haha, we're gonna we're a cult and we're gonna kill as many people as possible. It's more of a here is a group of kindred that are very serious um, from a spiritual aspect because we have the Book of Nod and Revelations of the Dark Mother and these supplements that basically yeah. are saying, hey, look, religion is important to kindred, um, and then really all we get is Sabbat for a long time yeah um pretty much <laughs> i mean how do you argue with that uh the bahari were kind of an afterthought until uh a lot of v20 yep um or revised i think i was just reading the storyteller's guide mm-hmm. uh the revised edition and they did have the bali uh clan laid out there before the bali clan book came out for dark ages um not that that's a cult anyone should necessarily follow, but <laughs> all are awesome. Um, but no, I mean, religion in general is important. Spiritualism is important to a lot of people. It's uh, a big part of the world to ignore it completely, even in a historical sense. It strips the motivations um, and reasoning behind a lot of actions that can occur or drive people. Um, so to have another layer of that in such a political game with so much subtext and um, sect versus sect, clan versus clan, to have uh, just another thing to kind of stir the pot with even yeah. uh, can just create so much story. And I mean, with that first, with the core book and the, uh, excuse me, I Camarilla? Camarilla, thank you. Um, the veneration of Methuselah. Oh, you, you open it up and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, that was cool. It was, um, it was like, a, yeah, it was basically like a Canaanite mass, like the Canaanite heresy. Yep. Except they literally took a liturgical section from like a Catholic uh, <laughs> book right off the altar and just changed some words and made it uh, eerily creepy but totally believable. Yeah. And uh, it's smart that the Camarilla would do this at this point. Um, yeah, for sure. But it's good to have variety, like you said, with the Sabbat. Uh, very spiritual clan, but um, almost one-sided, mm-hmm. you know, almost completely for the wrong purpose. Yeah, uh, I think it's also, I think it's a relic of an older time. It's very 90s, you know. Um, I still love it. I do too. Uh, I mean, <laughs> come on. It's amazing. Uh, but... Look at my Sabbat phone case, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, speaking of Sabbat, I believe the night in question tickets are going on sale January 18th. That sounds about right. I think it's like in a week or two. Okay. It's a LARP. If anyone yeah. has not heard about it, you should Google the uh, night in question. Jackalope Studios is running it. Um, it's very amazing people that are involved. Uh, Justin Achille was at the last one. I believe he was DJing. Um, and Jason Carl. Jason Carl. Jason was- yeah, Jason Carl, Alexander Ward, and um, I think we're gonna go uh, this upcoming year. I really want to so bad. That is a plan. Um, but yeah, one thing that's great about the night in question, um, if you want a a player's perspective, twenty five years of Empire of the Masquerade uh, podcast uh, went. Uh, Nathan Seaver went and uh, talked about his experience. I haven't and listened the, to it yet. Wow, that's cool. Oh 
it's so good because he he was a blood bag. He was like a victim. People. Oh no, he was a, he got he got shovel headed. My mistake. Oh, he, he got he, he got shovel headed. He got turned. Yeah, yeah, he got tired. And uh, yeah, he, he crawling out of the dirt, man. That sounds <laughs> like so much fun. But um, polyhedron. Is that the name of the podcast? Yep. I'm going to. Yep. Poly- Polyhedron yes. is the podcast. I believe the episode is uh, Hail Kane with a question mark. Yeah. Is that, is that Scott Cuban? Yes, I think. Who runs that? Yeah. He's a f- funny dude, man. Um, but he, he, I think, talked about his experience from a first uh, point of view perspective. So take a look, take a listen to those and um, hype yourself up and go buy some tickets in two weeks. Okay, so back to back to Cult of the Blood Gods. Sorry about that, guys, but it's important that we support. Squirrels. Yeah, uh, it's important that we support our, our um, associates here. But the um, the idea with religion, um, one of the things I did want to talk about before we, we yeah. haven't even get, gotten into the content, and I'm sorry, but uh, it's very exciting to actually have this concept in our hands. You know, just the very concept is being True. that's going to be canon. Um, you're essentially embraced, turned into a blood sucking. Uh, monster with magical powers. Um, now, how does one square that without considering the divine? You know what I mean? Like, how, I, I'm not the most religious or, individual, or even that you're cursed, right? Yes, yeah. or or, ble- or blessed. Like, I am. I yeah. you're now a god. Yeah. What does that mean for your worldview? And I I love. Um, I haven't played a ton more of uh, Coteries of New York. But that becomes a thing where someone, I'm not going to spoil who, and you get an invitation to like this church. Have you seen this, Mark? No, I've yet to play it. So you, you go to this church and you're sitting in the front pew and there's like practically no one there. It's at night. And this uh, father or whatever walks up to you and starts talking to you. And it's like he's like the son sitting next to you. And it's like blaring and you can hardly even look straight at him. He's blinding with light. And you're like, what is this? More importantly, what am I? Whoa. Why is this affecting me? Who is this? Like, what does this mean for my existence? You know, it challenges your worldview and gets you thinking about, you know, because he was so comfortable. The character was so comfortable with his own skin after coming to the realization and slowly adapting to this life. You know, you get you, you jump into the hot water and eventually it doesn't feel so burning like when you first get in the pool. And uh, like the frog in the pot that's, you know, going to get cooked. And all of a sudden, you know, the water feels nice and cold and you run to this priest and bam, like steaming hot water. It's it's in your face again. It's the shock and realization that you're now a monster. Yeah. That this little man who leads a very simple life, who just has some ideas about the world or what he considers divine, doesn't matter what the religion is. True faith is true faith. Right. And they haven't done anything. They're not, or they're not extraordinary. They're not. They haven't been taken over by some kind of lupine, werewolf, ghost, wraith. They're just a human being, as far as you can tell. And it's affecting you. And yeah. it shouldn't be affecting you. Why is this bad? Why do I feel like I'm being tortured? Those are questions that raise up in a character. And it it happened in Coders of New York. You you go outside. There was a kindred who inv- invited you there, and he's like, "So, what do you think about that?" And he gets into like a question and answer session. Wow. He's like, you should come back and try it again. I want to talk to you about this more. And like, I could see that happening, especially with an elder. It wasn't yeah. an elder, but I could see elders doing that to neonates or even in Scylla because they don't feel anything anymore. Yeah. And it's, it gives like a sense of, a, a sense of, of 
like excitement and and life almost it's like well it was it's things are unusual again things are different or, or there's a mystery there's a yeah. it's like rick and morty rick is so jaded he takes morty along with adventures for him just so he can see what it was like to be excited when it was cool yeah yes. sort of sure you know yeah he's like living uh, vicariously through through morty <laughs> and that's that's a lot of what uh this book is i feel yeah uh, i mean it seems like a lot of the cults have a lot of members who are the young kindred looking for guidance especially in uh like a 2019 2018 setting um and you could see that elders are behind it simply because it's you need to find something like in the other uh in the other versions of the game there were paths of enlightenment besides just humanity and i think this is going to be the v5 version of paths yeah well they have the the um oh gosh are they the, they're like sample convictions it's sort of like if you are a part of said cult here is a list of convictions um i don't believe they changed the name uh for the cults i think it is legit legitimately convictions um you know for like the bahari it's you know uh what is it if you it, always I could probably yeah, it, but always it's, find it's, an opportunity to to challenge uh, a Cainite or challenge the word of Cain, that kind of thing. Yeah, I forgot about those that they're in the book listed, and uh, yeah, we'll go over them a little bit. Uh, starting with the first one they released, I think it was uh, the rise of the Methuselah cult, which was kind of hinted at in Camarilla, uh, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, uh, like the veneration of Hardestad or. Uh, and Erg Shogi? Erg Shogi? 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 Is that how you say it? Well, it's funny, you know, a lot of like the um, the European or um, just non New Hampshire <laughs> <laughs> names, <laughs> uh, you know, the ones that you actually have to be a cultured individual to be able to say. <laughs> Not I, outside I, of New England then? Yeah, I've learned how to pronounce them by listening to uh, Robert Baton on uh, 25 years of ECM. <laughs> so, Herschel Gee. Uh, well, I mean, uh, come on. He said, they say they say chilled and Torador. So. And uh, Shamase. Yeah, and Shamase. <laughs> I, I, I'm hey. not saying they're wrong. I'm just, it's, I say it different. It's okay. It's your own way. Yeah. How do you say it? Uh, Zemisi. Yeah, and I say Zemis. Oh, you say Zemis. I like Zemis, though, because it sounds yeah. cool. Like. That's the Giovanni in you. Zemis. Yeah, so. Hey. <laughs> There's blood on my bust. <laughs> <laughs> so about those uh, about those mobsters. I mean, I don't want to skip over Methuselah cults because they're awesome. Uh, but the Methuselah cults uh, are a thing. Uh, Hardestat. Or Urshulgi, like you said. I'm surprised that um, oh, Mithras is definitely one, although he has his own uh, following in this book, The Cult of Mithras. Yes. Which is also, they get into it quite a bit in The Fall of London, which has even more expanded lore sheets and even rituals so, for The Cult of Mithras. So, okay, here's a question that I have, because I, I didn't, I have yet to um, to read um, that one. So, it, I know that there is a connection between, like, who worked on what or whatever, but the, the content itself. Um, the interplay between Cult of the Blood Gods and Chicago by Night. Yeah. How how much is is meshed? And there was a question that someone posed 
uh, it might have been in our Discord, I don't remember, um, or Facebook group, but someone asking, um, it seems to me that there is some information in Chicago by Night that is yet to be described in Cult of the Blood Gods. Does it feel like, oh, well, I need Cult of the Blood Gods in order to, in order to, I'm sorry, excuse me, Fall of London, um, in order to run Fall of London? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. You need, you definitely need the core book. Yes. Oh, well, yeah, um, obviously. You don't need Cults of the Blood Gods, unless, of course, you want to take a, um, a character whose clan is specifically in Cults of Blood Gods, then obviously you need it. Just like you'd need uh, Chicago by Night um, in the La Sombra mm-hmm. lore to be able to put a La Sombra character into all of London. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it stands on its own. Um, if anything, you could, like Red Moon Roleplaying did with um, No Man is an Island, do an entire chronicle that was Second Inquisition. Yeah. Because they they're fleshed out in a human way. In fact, some of the characters in that uh, that show are characters in the book. Uh, You're talking about they, uh, Redmond role playing's um, No Man, no is, Man is an Island. Yeah, Martin Harrison. Uh, yeah. Yep. Francis um, Ward is it was his name. Yeah. And uh, Gabrielle Ellis. Mm-hmm. That's and awesome. The other character are, uh, yeah, they're they're in histories. They're backgrounds they actually get into the commander a lot more who i believe is a Sikh, um and they get into why he is so hell-bent on destroying the kindred in fact they kind of answer it in the first couple episodes of red moon and i'm not going to spoil it but boy howdy do they get into it more in the book so it's a good read i i do suggest people read it we can talk about that another time yes but let's talk about the connection with the uh mithraic cult Right, so they do outline a lot more about the cult of Mithras because Mithras because they get into a lot more of the background history. Uh, it talks a lot more about Mithras uh, in the first person, not necessarily the first person, but in a more modern day light. Whereas I think cults of the blood gods with the preview that they've had so far, they talk about him like he is a de- deif, and he is kind of a deific. Can't even say it. Deified. Deific kind of person he's like a god mm. that they're talking about from afar not like a fourth gen methuselah who went to arby's last week and <laughs> like kane who, kane who drives a taxi in la <laughs> yes so um you know but he's he's revered in um because of the blood gods and talked about as if he's been in torpor for a million years uh whereas in fall of london he's kind of active they talk about where he is what he's been up to. Uh, I'm not going to, I don't know how much is in other books, but his fate kind of altered a bit and he's been doing things around the scenes. It's, it's interesting. Hmm. Um, but they specifically outline the players in one of the chronicles that's written in the book, kind of like the sacrifice and what's going to be in cults of the blood gods. You're going to have a chronicle you can run as a story and you play as, I think it's like 10th gens or earlier. Wow. And you were followers of the Mithraic cult and were kind of like Valderied to him in a Mithras ritual because he had learned the Valdery and he improved upon it or something. Yeah. And he had these like cultist like followers. I think there's like five of them or however many players are in your chronicle. There you go. Uh, and they staked themselves or went into Torpor in a tomb and it uh, wasn't found for like ever. And he didn't really need to call upon them. 
but during um, modern excavation, it was found. And then right as um, the beginning of the fall of London happens, they start to wake up. So you're dealing with trying to find out what's going on, where's Mithras, and seeing the chaos of the controlling parties of London, like Queen Anne, and it gets into like all of their downfall and the downfall of all of the kindred in the area. And the survivors, if there are any, are kind of holed up. And now you're playing as these elder cultists trying to find out what's happening right as the vice is slowly starting to crush the head, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, but cults of the blood gods. Uh, oh, so yeah, it ties in with me. I keep jumping the shark, don't I? It talks about, it talks about <laughs> Mithras. Right. Guys. Okay. You're good. Yeah. Uh, let's get into the cult well, that I'm. A, uh, that like. is, sorry. That is, that is interesting though, with, with the Mithraic cult you play in, in, in fall of London as, as elders, right? And yeah. then to to help you segue a bit, um, going from there to kind of seeing kind of roots of a kind of Mithraic cult um, to a modern day what a Mithraic uh, cult of Mithras would, would be um, in Cults of the Blood Gods and how they would operate and systematically how to use them. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to Cults of the Blood Gods version of the Mithraic cult because everything in Fall of London is set in London. So it's people who... yeah are so dyed-in-the-wool uh, Mithraists that it'd be interesting to see, like, what does someone from South America who's a Mithraist, like, how do they get involved in that? Like, how did his worship spread so far? Was it just because the British Empire was everywhere, or is it that popular? Is he that much of a, almost like a new cane, you know? Yeah, um, and that's kind of what the Methuselahs have that aspect of this kind of, uh, I don't want to say like Christ-like, but like a Messiah-like aspect to them. Um, in yeah. the cult development chapter, it, t- it kind of gives you a list, clan by clan, you know, which uh, Methuselahs would be good to utilize if you're developing your own. And there's a piece that talks about how, you know, it, it, like you said, they're not going to be going to an Arby's anytime soon. They're kind of <laughs> thought of as, you know, generations before us, we are... A pillar know. above you, yeah, that right. you will never reach because that's be- – yeah, they're so divine. There's no catching up, kids, right? Yeah. One day yeah. maybe you could be there, but that's the whole point of the cult, right, to one day attain you know, the OT level three or whatever. You know, I just thought of something, and I'm not sure if it's missing from Cults of the Blood God, but I always thought like the Banu Hakim and their, their – st- Fanatical devotion to Hakim mm-hmm. and diablerizing to get closer to him, that in itself is worship to me. It you is. Know, he is like a version of Mithras, or um, we're going to get into it because it's another one of the cults, but the Nephilim mm-hmm. is another cult in Cults of the Blood God who are those who followed Michael of Constantinople, who. Was he? A, I think he was a fourth gen fourth or a gen, fifth. Yeah. yeah, fourth gen Toreador literally believed himself to be uh, the Archangel Michael and just had the biggest pull on the kindred community probably ever uh, until it all fell. And now uh, I think it was either the Camry or the Anarch book that he's 
rumored to be waking up from who diabolized him. So I don't, I don't remember that. Was that in one of those? Mary the Black. Yeah. Yes. There's there's a short line in I think it's the Camarilla book that's like Michael is starting to wake up inside of Mary. That's amazing. And it's like oh, and now that they're talking about the Nephilim and how. Uh, you know, those who he sired and uh, a couple generations down who can trace their lineage back to him are like, you know, we should honor this guy's memory and kind of keep the dream going, which is what they called what he had going on in Constantinople. Instead of a princedom, it was like three houses between uh, the Draken, uh, was it Anton, Anthony, the, the Ventru, and Michael. So you had a Toreador Methuselah, a Zemitz Methuselah, and a venture Methuselah who had this like love triangle. And uh, then it goes all really bad. Like <laughs> it lasts for like 2000 years, but then it goes south in a bad way. And uh, if you haven't read Constantinople by night, do yourself a favor. I have not. Uh, pick it up. Oh my God, dude. Is this a, it sounds it's, amazing. It's, it's the, it's my favorite city book. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Characters in it alone are, are worth the purchase, but it's a, it's completely different from any other, by night or city book that they've detailed because it it breaks that mold structure and it's all because of Michael. He's like the David Bowie of the world of darkness. <laughs> he's everywhere. Everyone loves him. And um, he slept with your mom, but it's cool because he, you have two Christmases now and he gives <laughs> presents. <laughs> I mean, much like David Bowie who, Rest in peace. I slept with many, many moms and dads um, and probably supplied the entire world with multiple Christmases. Hanukkah. Everyone. I want to make a a kindred cult based around David Bowie. Can you imagine? Um, It's not not too late on his path. (laughs) We need to make David Bowie canon. One more idea. Hey, you put in um, Al Capone. The least you can do is give David Bowie some, uh, you know, Longer years here. Right? Although they'd probably make him a Toreador, which makes sense, but. Um, yeah, I want, I want to say that or like a Ravnos for his like stage personality just to like. Yeah, but I feel like. And awe everybody with chemistry. I feel like everybody is avoiding Ravnos like the plague. It's uh, it's so true. <laughs> uh, speaking, speaking of which, Ravnos is not here tonight because he has the plague. He literally does have the plague. Ravnos, get better, feel better soon. Um, in the meantime, everyone has to look at our mugs. Um, yeah, we tried to make it through the whole show without mentioning you. Snub alert. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but no, he's, Ravnos... he's getting rid because he's going to midwinter, uh, like yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He is flying tomorrow, huh? Yeah. Ooh, well, hey, good luck, Ravnos. Um, Breaking news. <laughs> speaking of Ravnos, it almost made it into Cults of the Blood Gods. That was the original, original not plan, but it was one of the considerations um, because I believe in Matthew Dawkins's dev diary, he mentioned it and then decided that they weren't going to go for it. And which I found was pretty interesting for them to even mention for him to even mention uh, Ravnos. It wouldn't have a place here personally. I'm glad that they didn't. Um, And and I'm glad that he touched upon, because as soon as they announced Cults of the Blood Gods, I was like, are we finally going to get some answers on the Sabbat other than, they were eradicated because they're uh, they're too lively, and you get found. Yeah, I mean, I'd say a good chunk of them, maybe eighty five percent, are dead because of just that. 
but you're going to have those splinter cells who knew how to keep it quiet. Mm -hmm. Like the guys doing the shovel party uh, are not the ones rushing into the club, killing everyone. They go back, they hide and they do it again because it's guerrilla warfare and there are pawns. So as soon as uh, I heard about this book, I was like, please have some Sabat stuff in there. Cause I just want to see it in V5, even if it's minor, you know, yeah, but, and uh, it's, but it's not. Yeah. And he did touch upon the, the reasons why I guess they want it to be um, fleshed out or touched upon at a different time. And that's cool. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I am also happy because I think the Sabat need their own book. Um, yeah. I think it needs a very, it, it, and it could be something that's approached and who knows what the plans are, but it could I hope they tie it in with the beckoning. Well, yeah, they, I mean, yes. Right. I mean, it, it makes sense. Can we get, yeah. can we get a, I don't know. Jerusalem by night or something. I'm not really sure what what book that would be, but um, who knows? It, it, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they're that they haven't because I think it would have with so many amazing cults that they have in here, like the Bahari. Right. Um, it, it would just be a chapter, and it would be a small piece, and it wouldn't be enough. Um, and that's, I so feel the like Bar people would feel that way. Yeah, and the Bahari uh, have a lot more love in this book than I feel like they've ever gotten. Ooh, I'm so happy about what they did with with the Bahari. At first, I was a little apprehensive, uh, right. just because of the whole like the the nature stuff. At first, I'm like, oh, okay, but it makes sense. I mean, reading Revelations, the, reading Revelations of the Dark Mother, you know, it does make sense that they would have this. It's it's already been kind of woven into their DNA to begin with, and it's a lot better than the. Uh, crazed masochists that they used to be. Right. And they were, well, yeah, they used to torture themselves. Right. I think there was even a little bit about that in uh, the core book. Cause they had a lore sheet. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the characters in red moon role playings, new cults of the blood gods scenario is a Baharist or a Lamia. I believe Lamia. Yeah. Yeah. But that's pretty interesting, and I, I'm I'm curious to see where her character goes because she starts off at like a women's clinic, mm -hmm. taking care of like people who are like battered, abused, or off the street. And um, she has not been abused herself, but she sees it day in day out, and is someone who cares deeply for these people, and literally fights what they described as like a Semedi horror monster. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, and uh, someone was looking out. For her the whole time or like considering her for the embrace and that was it that was the moment that that lamier uh decided yeah she's gonna get her just rewards here that was that's what set her apart from the others you know so uh interesting stuff both in um different storytelling groups out there and what they're gonna do with this book we've seen so much come out of chicago by night for actual plays let's plays um it's gonna be cool to see what the community does with the cults of the blood gods. Maybe even we'll do something because we have things in there like the church of set. Yes. And I love the church of set. I love setites so much. Now here's yeah. what's interesting is that I, I want to go back to Bahari in a moment, but talking about the, the church of set and the separation from the ministry. Yeah. So, I mean, not separation. I, that's probably kind of, yeah, no, kind of. It, right, like because they have like a animosity now, like mm -hmm. the ministry. You know, they take other faiths and they they take a lot of like the meaning behind Seth's message, 
and they just dunk it and uh, put a new wardrobe on it right? and sell it as that other faith. When what? really it sets teachings, which is smart. It's rebranding. And, and it's then you have also... actual Church of Set who's like, hold up, <laughs> you know, we're OG. <laughs> and uh, y'all shouldn't be doing that. Set's good enough. You don't have to put a new wrapper on them. We, we live this shit. Yeah. For real. They, I mean, I mean, like that's that is a big distinction, right? Like the <laughs> us personally, we live this shit. Um, <laughs> Vampire no, but, in general, specifically said. It's true, but the the distinction of of using religion as a manipulative tool, as opposed to actually really believing in whatever cult, whatever religion, and it seems to me that that's a huge distinction, and and all of the cults in. Um, in cults of the blood gods, outside of the leaders of the cults, really do drink their own Kool Aid. Yeah, and I like the um, because they fleshed out the Mithras more. It seems like the book even talked about it in the manuscripts that you have this Mithrists who are very much into order, and you have the Sedites who are very much into chaos, and it's almost like they're diametrically opposed. And I think he even like outlawed Sedites from being in England. Or something like that. <laughs> what? But that's not possible. You know, you can't keep them out. No, but why uh, would anyone want to go there to begin with? Right. Now. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, look at Matthew Dawkins. He's in Milwaukee right now. Oh, why? no, I don't mean in reality. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, would, I would move there. Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> Mark hates England. <laughs> no, I love England. Um, no, but I mean, after the fall of London, see, I, this stream makes me put my foot in my mouth on a regular basis. That's because we're having fun. Um, so no, but that's interesting. Like it's it's like uh, it's almost as if that the the main opponent of of the Church of Set would be the ministry. Yeah, the main arm of it. Hmm. You mean like the main branch? Or uh, no, I mean, pretty? like a major. I feel like a, that the ministry and pe and diehard setites would probably have some issues. Like, let's just say, for, and I'm I'm just spitballing, obviously, but let's just say you have a a ministry cult that's not really a cult; it's just a manipulative way to to have a herd, right? Yeah, and then you have someone who's a setite, and they're legitimately a setite, right? Those two ideas would be at odds with one another. Well, I guess one would be seen as a poser at that point, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, you, like you're just in it for the herd. You're not really here for set. And I mean, that right. could be an idea for a chronicle. Maybe there's like some weak watered down a bunch of uh, guys who are just or girls running like a cult just because they're piggybacking off of the reputation. It's easy. They don't really have anything to do. They don't really have any affiliation. And maybe that's a new cult story that you could do. Your uh, Church of Cain or your Sedite church comes into town and you find a bunch of people using your name, uh, not really believing in what you're selling. And what are you going to do about it? What if they're stronger than you? What if they're more popular than you? And suddenly, <laughs> suddenly this like offshoot uh, nobodies are uh, stealing all your thunder. That should have been all yours, but they took it. What are you going to do about it? What if they're better uh, acquainted with the prince and the Camarilla because 
they're much more easier to deal with than a bunch of actual zealot fanatics. You know, that, that'd be such a fun city game. That would playing be a as a, game. From the outside in, only it's uh, from a religious perspective for a change. It's a very cool way to bring a coterie together, too. Like, it's not yeah. – you're all in the same group, so you already have that, that, that camaraderie with one another and internal familial conflict, right? Just yeah. being in an organized religion, no matter how small it is, has its issues and its uh, – what do they call it when, a, when there's a rift in a religion? Uh, yeah, a schism. A schism. Right, and yeah. little small little schisms, or you know, especially with cults, very paranoid, um, very paranoid yeah, different culture. Yeah, or or even you know, the what the leader of the cult says is is law, right? Right with a capital R, I think the chapter says, um, the development that, cult development chapter. You know, it's funny because that did happen to the Bano Hakim. You had um, I'm gonna forget his name, but he was like a, uh, I think he was like a fourth gen or a fifth gen who woke up. And he was like one of Hakim's main lieutenants or something like that. He was in Torpor for forever. And then the Ashira and all this stuff happened where you had about 50% of the Benu Hakim were uh, Muslim or of different Arabic faiths or Middle Eastern faiths. And then you had those who just strictly followed Hakim. Then all of a sudden you got this like fourth gen actual child of Hakeem waking up and he's like, why are y'all worshiping this other guy? <laughs> yeah. Because I was around like 3000 years before Muhammad and this is news to me. I've been asleep. So but I, y'all who don't worship Hakeem can get out. And now you've got the Ashira moving into the Camarilla. So yeah, it is kind of like its own religion in a way. I think, it's, uh, I think you kind of identified why you, you asked earlier, you know, I kind of wish there. Just to paraphrase you, you said that I wish um, there was some Banu Hakim specific. Uh, I guess because it's already happened, right? <laughs> it's kind of already right. It's kind of it's already there. We're, we're, we already have it. Yeah. Um, the veneration of or the there's like that Erg Shulgi. How do you say it? Yeah, Urshulgi. Urshulgi, uh, little like <laughs> religious text in Camaria or in um, yeah in Camaria. So we we already we have already had that, and it's also yeah. it's also a bit of um you kind of have to walk on eggshells a little bit with Banu Hakim. Oh, definitely, and uh, with any of these topics, really, uh, oh, just especially be... with religion, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we've talked about uh, a lot of those. The Canaanite Heresy is back. Yep. That was a cool book with uh, the Dark Ages. It's cool to see it in a modern light. Very and, uh... very gnostic as well. Oh yeah. Which I, 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 that is my favorite part. Uh, Church of Cain? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, that's my favorite part about the Church of Cain is the, is the Gnostic influence. Um, and you know, maybe I'm speaking too soon because I think there's a difference between the Cainite heresy and the actual Church of Cain. Uh, yes, there's a split. So in the Church right. of Cain chapter that they released, there was a, yes, there's the Church of Cain who believe that they're angels or they believe that they are, well, one believes that like um, there was something to do with Jesus, like he was a Cainite, mm-hmm. and then the rest are literally worshiping Cain, yes, as a Messiah figure, yeah. So, and believe that the reality is like a an illusion, and that um, we essentially oh. are all angels. And then you got some really good ones, like um, Chicago by Night had a lore sheet called, I think it was the Cult of Shalim. Huh. 
with some really interesting art on there that looked like Lovecraftian horror. That's amazing. You're not, you're not remembering this? No. Is, is that going to be in this one, do you think? Oh, oh yeah. It absolutely is. That's great. And it's, uh, I think it started with Lissombra because of Oblivion and mm-hmm. uh, nothingness and Entropy. But yeah, it's a cult that it's vampires and they want to cause the end of the world because they believe in nothing. They are the ultimate nihilists and they find that the only way you're going to have peace as being one with the beast is if you return to nothing and nothing is great and everything should return to nothing. So they are literally like Thanos, except that half business is for, you know, wimps. (laughs) You need to go 100%. 100% nothing. So they're like the nothing from never ending story. I guess so. When I was a kid, I thought the nothing was the name of the wolf. Because I was a dumb kid. <laughs> Are you talking about like Falco or whatever? No, the wolf, like the monster. Like the remember at the end of Neverending Story. I don't really remember. There's like the wolf that's like they have these scenes in the movie where he's like slow motion running of a puppet wolf, and there's that one scene at the very end where they like camera pans and there's this wolf like in the hole of the broken wall as the nothing is taking over and eating everything. Oh, pretty neat. Uh, anyway, it's kind of like. Kind of like the Langleyers. Yeah, yeah, the same, same idea. Um, but the so, you got the cult of Shalim. Uh, what are some of the other cults that you're interested in? Okay, so so going back to the Church of Cain and and their opponents, the Bahari. Uh, yeah, oof. That one is one oof. of one of my favorites out of that out of uh, cults of the Blood God so far. Um, they have the idea of multiple of of gardens. Um, and specifically, there is, um, I believe it's, I think it, I think it said sixty or seventy percent of the kindred in uh, Budapest are Bahari, led by a Nosferatu Bahari. And that's wanna, a lot. I want to go to that city so bad. In Budapest, huh? Yeah, and that's a hell of a of a story seed. Um, there's Good. gardens, gardens Good. obviously all over all over Budapest and. I think it's Garden of Philosophers is, is has some pretty amazing um, sculpture. Um, yeah, I think it'd be fun to do a, a story that begins in Budapest. Yeah. And you form a, a coterie because you're put together as like missionaries. Yeah. And you meet, you meet that Nosferatu. But then you're sent somewhere to try and... Cultivate a new garden. Yeah. Because you have and, powers uh, as, uh, over, over plant life. But then you run into... Other canines, other cults, and other problems, and how do you overcome them, and still stay true to what you are when you're exposed to different ideas about what the canine is at its core? That'd be a really cool game to introduce, like these different concepts, and not only challenging players on a political level, but on a personal, spiritual level. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Of how do you, how do you explore? How do you explore religion and spirituality and and faith or loss? Excuse me, loss of faith um, in a game like this. And Cults of the Blood Gods has basically given us a, an analog to do so. Um, and it's it's pretty wild to to think about having a story like you just described that talks about you know you're within the status quo within your kind of uh, oh yeah, spiritual it's easy. religious worldview. It's super easy to believe when everyone around you is yes. uh, professing the same reality. Yeah, it's a it's a echo chamber, and then you yeah. you are you are told to go on a, a mission, right? Outside of the echo chamber, 
and you know like little mormons go and and find other places that there are no mormons and you have to and that's looks good when and Uh, how do you how do you square that right like how do you i stepped in your joke sorry but how do you how do you square your 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 um spiritual religious worldview it's very small or or just jilted from from everybody else's while being outside of the comforts of your own cult. I mean, that's, 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 that's what I love about this game though. Yeah. Cause we're even having a conversation about that <laughs> <laughs> because of a book that hasn't even released yet. <laughs> we're already like, uh, creating entire ideas for new campaigns. Well, I have, <laughs> Shooting movies, you know, on stuff like this, but it's, it's true. It sparks the imagination, like things like this. Yeah. I think this is such a departure from a lot of the other books that it's just going to be like the kid doing a cannonball and splashing everyone with creativity at poolside, trying to stay dry. Yes, and 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 it's it truly does make this game adult, not adult oh, yeah. because boobs, adult because we're dealing with complex subjects. Okay, there's going to be some boobs, sure, but <laughs> illustrated by Black Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I wonder if they'll ever come back. Oh, well, I mean, the, I, the line of White Wolf. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that maybe the Zemis will make their grand debut again. <laughs> I mean, that was the first Black Dog, wasn't it? it? It was one of the first, yeah. Or was it Giovanni? I don't know which came first because I'm pretty sure Giovanni was first. Yeah, I, was, I think the La Sombra came maybe last, which is shocker, right? But do you remember the first edition? Yeah. It was all black with the white. Oh, writing. I know. The white writing, yeah. I have it. It's beautiful. Really? You have it? Yeah, well, I had a chance to... The, the store at the time had both. And I was like, oh, God, I really want all the revised ones. Mm-hmm. But the, all the black... I gotta buy this. I think there might be another one at the shelf at Pop Culture and Raymond. Really? So, uh, I'll take a picture of what they got, and if anyone's interested, um, uh, Mark probably has, you know, uh, squatters rights as far as because he lives somewhat local but um it's not it would be the first time that um i have shown what they've had on the shelf they have a lot of white wolf uh first edition second edition revived books and a lot of um chronicles of darkness books uh and if people are interested uh ken spider over there will mail them out and they are reasonably placed like whoa I'm going to say this, man. I think that you should, on a regular basis, every time that you – because I know you out of all of us, just because this is just what you do, um, uh, go to these stores more more than I do anyways. Um, so on our Discord, like just like every once in a while, I'll throw a picture up. Um, I already have them. Yeah, perfect. And just show, <laughs> and show people so then they can say, ooh, I want that. Yeah. You're there because these are hard to find. Like – the, what was it? Lucky Goblin, which was an amazing store in Massachusetts, is now closed, and they had a fantastic collection of revised edition books. They're they're no longer. So those books are, who knows where they yeah. are. And if you're looking for um, even some V five stuff that you can't find, um, there is some locally to me, and uh, I am not opposed to getting Venmo and mailing it out. So that said, let's go back to Cults of the Blood Gods. Um, if we so one of the things that I've been doing that with with Batsy um, is we have been workshopping some stuff yeah. um, involving a particular type of cult 
And then last, just last week or a few days ago, they, Onyx Path Publishing decided to send out the cult development support oh. document that's going to be in this book. Sounds like helpful for what you were doing. Extremely helpful. And for those of you who are developing your own cult or, or interested in developing your own cult for, for your campaign, I'm going to... I'm going to, or a real cult. Uh, I'm going to break my rule here and say that the only part that you could probably use in your campaign is, is this piece, everything else wait, but this cult development chapter is extremely useful, um, and helps to, helps to enlighten kind of what a cult is, the difference between how we think of cults, um, in general and, and, you know, the difference between a cult and a religion and how they can be seen as, as interchangeable, um, and mechanically how to build one. So it's it's pretty cool. Every time we say cult, you have to take a shot, <laughs> right? Cult. Yeah. Everyone, <laughs> everyone's drunk. Everyone's uh, dead by now because they uh, drank too much. But that's <laughs> that's the topic. So too bad. We still got more to go. Um, you can even make your own cult for kindred who drink too much. I mean, that's a, okay. Yeah. Maybe they, well, you get those who drink off of people who are drunk and stuff because they can't get drunk anymore. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> some of the other ones highlighted in the book, uh, I got a little list here. They even had an entire uh, minor cults section. I didn't read that yet. Uh, it's, it was fairly long. I haven't had a chance to read that one. Is that the Mortal Cults one? No, Mortal Cults is its own thing. Uh, people who worship vampires without vampiric direction, it seems. Oh, so like there's no, uh, there's no like controlling. It's not. It's not like they're a herd. Oh, I'm sure there will be because that's what vampires do. But it seems like they started um, from humanity. That's a hell of. Out. That's a hell of a masquerade breach. Well, yeah. But they're not going to break it if they love kindred, right? Or, I mean, yeah, but think about it, right? Okay, so you are in a – let's just say you're like a I don't know, a group of people that see something crazy happen, right, involving kindred. And then, like a bunch of conspiracy theorists people? Yeah, like InfoWars style, Alex Jones. <laughs> we have the documents, people. You know, that kind of – The turn of the frogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> Guy is tapped. Anyway. So, um, man, how far we fall? Oh. <laughs> he was never right. all, Turtles all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, so, yes, you're, you're a group of conspiracy theorists. Maybe you're, you're off in, uh, I don't know, let's just say you're in, like, Joshua Tree looking for UFOs, right? Um, and you see a gangrel who is you know, come out of the ground randomly or whatever. You, you see some kind of kindred activity, something happens and you're in a group together and that's it. Nothing, no one dies or, or, you know, it's not like you get the yeah, eyes of the Camarilla on you. Supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. You see a kindred and that's it. How you do keep you keep your mouth shut until it, you die? And right? if you're conspiracy theorists, I mean, you start coming up with conspiracies. And they did that on LA by night with uh, Archangel. Yeah. Which is cool. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes because she kind of got taken under the wing by uh, the Malkavian. So. I'm That'll excited for that. When is, when, yeah. is, when is that premiering? Do you know? 
they're I think they're supposed to be announcing it uh, this month as far as season four goes. Yep, it's happening this month. I just don't know, don't know the specific date. That's Twitch t- twitch.tv slash World of Darkness. Yeah, they have their not, own. Oh, pretty cool. Yeah, not not um, Geek and Sundry. They have their own Twitch. So keep that in mind. You can follow them. But after They're this. Probably screen, simulcast, right? Still? Say it probably again? I'm guessing they'll air it on both, but I don't know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I haven't, I haven't kept up with it as much. but They're also keeping Friday nights, I think. That makes sense. Well, well, that means Seattle by night's going to go on hiatus. I, get, I just gave false information. I don't. I to be honest, I don't know what days are going. To, I must be mistaken. You heard it here from Archosius first. This is official news from me. More lies. His inbox, his inbox is getting full with uh, angry ones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Don't listen to me. Um. So okay, talking about cults of the blood gods. Um. I want to talk about the art. Oh. I- I was going to say, I have one more cult to go over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Before we get into the fantastic artwork. Have you read The Ash Finders? Not yet. Do you know anything about it? Nope. Tell me about it. Are you ready to have your mind blown a little bit? I am ready to have my mind blown. I don't know. I'm wondering if the the, uh, chat room has uh, read this chapter yet or not. Uh, So they talked about it on Dawkins' Onyx Path uh, cast dev diary but uh he summed it up probably better than i could it's a bunch of mortals and thin bloods who find the ashes of kindred and smoke them to get high or inject them into their body that's amazing post post a a blood alchemy ritual and as you smoke the kindred ashes and get toasted, you experience some of that kindred's memories. And it's like a spiritual, metaphysical, almost like a mind altering, like you experience their lifetime kind of thing. And uh, it's this guy who's a Tremere who I think found the secret to it. And now it's like a, a minor cult. It's uh, I think one of the main bases of it is like, southern spain or in that mediterranean area but there's also like one in chicago and i think they even talk about it or they hint about it a little bit in chicago by night but we didn't know what they were talking about at the time yeah but uh yeah no it's a thing and they're in the states and like as the camaria like is slowly getting rumor of that happening they're like oh my god we have to wipe that out immediately (laughs) before they kill us and smoke us you know what i mean and that cult's like legalize it man yeah like (laughs) <laughs> that's real that's such a really that's a really cool idea i'm very excited about that <laughs> i love, how, I I love how twisted but real world it is i also love how it obvious it quite obviously was sourced from a conversation that a couple of people are having you know sitting on a couch <laughs> like, i wonder what would happen if you know I, I you know when you when when they die they poof into you know, you, you, you put them in the sunlight, they poof into ashes. What happens if you smoke those ashes, man? I kind of want there to be a uh, a, a cultist uh, ash finder who is um, breaking the mold and not smoking it. Instead, he's like the Gordon Ramsay of ash finders. And oh, he's, like, like... He's, he's using it as seasoning. And he's like got this whole restaurant of people who trip on the same 
dude's ashes and they all experience the guy's lifetime and now they're all like dedicated to like that one kindred or or the gordon ramsay ash finder experience i'm very sorry gordon ramsay i'm throwing your name out here don't <laughs> see me you, you know but uh bobby he's got, like a, he's got like a collection of like little vials of yeah. different like ashes, like sprinkle this sprinkle that bam you know yeah different, and like the today's specials are uh Marchosius is Bruja, yeah. by, you know, uh, Def Malkavian's La Sombra character. Uh, we, we killed him, but he, it's such a fine vintage. He had great memories. Uh, oh, that one time that he, you know, did that horrible masquerade breach and had to kill like five people to hush it up. <laughs> There's some flavor in that one, boy. You know what I mean? You can't control information that way. Like if you're in the Camarilla and you see this kind of stuff happen. Right, you essentially get rid of somebody for breaking the masquerade, and then that person gets smoked or eaten or whatever, and then the memories are are, are lived on and passed between mortals. That's, That's tough. Could you imagine that falling into the hands of the SI? Oh my god! Yeah, and then they're like, "Oh, now we know all these havens because he went there." Because he went there, we we just cool. yeah, we seen it all. It's too late. So like, seen everything. Yeah. So then there becomes a problem where you try to snuff out these Ashfinder people, but at the same time, don't put too much pressure on them because if you don't get them all, they'll team with your enemies. Yeah. And they'll know where you are. Or you could weaponize them. It's really bad. <laughs> all around, it's bad for everyone. Like you could use them to like de- deploy Ashfinders to, to get information for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's funny because it has um. You know, as soon as I, I read about it, I'm like, well, that's the most necromantic way to make Thin Bloods cool, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, since Blood Alchemy, Thin Bloods are cool. Do you know who Especially isn't? with the errata, yeah. What's that? Especially with the errata, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Like the, they're like the news of meats. They make the potion. You can change your whole body. It's not just your gender anymore. You can change your looks, whatever. That's so awesome. Valuable, yeah. It's like a polyjuice potion. Yeah, except it sticks forever, right? Until you drink another one. Yep. Yeah. You know who isn't cool? J.K. Rowling. Mark hates England. <laughs> <laughs> If there, it, it, you know, I hope this doesn't get snipped. Don't snip this. Don't record this. But if okay, mark, thing, if mark the one, time, guys. We're gonna turn this <laughs> a great thing, audio. <laughs> if there's one thing I don't like more than England, it's British people. <laughs> um, we, love you. we love you, Britain. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But have no, you seen? Uh, okay, go on. I'm about to segue into something totally different. It's probably Drag- useful. Segue away. Dracula's on Netflix and it's so good. Um, I haven't seen it. He's an irredeemable monster. I'm into it. I'm gonna watch it's it. It's not it's not romanticized at all. It's it's like cult divinity lost style of depravity and evil. Well now I and have to watch it. It's so good. Someone was complaining that he that he is not attractive, which made me want to watch it a little bit more. He kinda looks like the Christopher Lee version of Dracula, which cool. I really like, camera, like camera films. Yeah, yeah. I totally like it. There's a blood of Dracula. Oh, he's so bad. He's he's irredeemably evil. That's in amazing. the best way. 
Cause yeah, I mean, because he's a monster. Yeah, and I was, you know, my mom is a huge like monster movie fan. She likes all the really bad ones, like Crocodile Tornado, not just like Sharknado, like the spinoffs that are glaringly awful. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, she would watch uh, an orangutan mutated fight a octopus with like two arms all day. I mean, I'd watch that too. Sci-Fi Channel. She's like their biggest fan, probably. <laughs> but, um, but no, she. Uh, I was like, yeah, no, you got to watch this because for the first time in forever, he's not a tragic figure or, you know, like Dracula untold. Oh, I'm fighting for my country, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's a uh, it's pure up evil. Well, I, think, and, uh, I think that trope is tired at this point of like the the uh, no one understands me. I'm Dracula thing. Yeah. And I'm glad they did something different with it. But anyway, uh, you were going to get into the art of the book. I was. I've only seen a few. What what little art has been released by Onyx Path. Um, there is still more art being developed. I am quite sure. I am super excited about it. Yeah, one of the stretch goals was they're going to put more art in the book. Yes. Which just makes my day. You know, it's rare when um, a book comes out and they have snippets of some of the artwork. And as soon as I see it, I save it to my phone and put it in a folder because that's how good it is. It's amazing. It, yes. It, you save it as a wallpaper. Um, yeah. There's that, that Sedite. Um, oh, that's like one of the best ones with like so the, uh, the jackal. Uh, yeah. Typhonic form. Yep. With like the golden, but everything instead of like, um, you know, when you see like ancient Egypt movies, everything's in like gold tones. Yeah. Cause it's like desert and it's mysterious and it was very much gold. Right. And in this case, it's all blood red. Yeah. As if it's literally coming down the walls, even like that golden, like, um, typhonic form is covered in blood and it just looks like a crazy Bacchanal, but it's Egyptian. And you, it's like, you man, you want to be there, but you don't want to be there. Says you. <laughs> I want that mask. Um, right. <laughs> they have new set of powers too, which are cool. Yeah. Really like. And usable. Like, oh, yeah. Mechanics wise. Yeah. I think there was one that I, I thought was brilliant. And it's, um, I think it's Dominate and Obfuscate. It's an amalgam. Mm -hmm. Have you read that one? Yes. And it uh, it's like the prison without walls kind of thing. Yep. Where you just like kind of lose your mind and you wander, but you're in a place that you could totally escape, but you don't see the right door anywhere ever <laughs> until it wears off. Super cool. That's one of the things that um, listening to Matthew Dawkins' Dev Diary, he talks about how you know if a if a if a book doesn't have something useful in it that you cannot use in your game, it, there's really no point in developing it. Um, right. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but you know, it sounded to me from from that um, from that statement that there was real there's a real drive to make this a uh, not just a book that helps excuse me helps to to inform the world the greater world of darkness, but um, from a religious standpoint, but also to make it useful for for GMs um, and the oh, fact that they've already released you know. Um, disciplines and you know things that you can not just use in your campaign but also use for for your characters and and it's i'm i'm very excited to see 
additional mechanics and to see um, you know additional material that's going to be you know really useful uh, for people's campaigns or their characters, N not just in story but on the sheet itself, um, and the approach to the bloodlines versus cults idea. Oh yeah. That's it. It gives it a lot more um, story perspective. I think, mm -hmm. you know, when you just get a bloodline, you think, Oh, playable character. When you think cults, you immediately think of like a group. You think of how that group operates. How are they kept a secret? Like, what do they do? Yeah. And like those questions alone uh, drive you to really think about, things more how do you fit into that dynamic what is it that your character believes that maybe the rest don't why are you even there you know and it's um it's a different conversation that you have internally than just like who am i and what do i do right and this it's like who are you what are you part of and why you know and i feel like um i don't know i've never went to like an english class for writing uh but i imagine that would be a lot of the um be like on the wall as like a writer's bible right yeah. and I, i've printed up some things like that just to like to try and like ping myself and uh and be reminded of you know things that we forget even in the writing process um that are just like helpful hints and i think even just having a different uh a different pool to put this fish of a character you're creating in um to have a fish out of water story or a fish that's now part of a bigger school um can really drive a lot of creative ideas. I mean, just this book alone is going to foster so many NPCs that I'm going to want to make. Um, it's worth it for that alone for me. Yeah, I love making NPCs. Absolutely. I mean, the the NPCs that you post on a fairly regular basis are extremely captivating. Captivating, and I'm super excited to you to have you start being influenced by Cult of the Blood Gods to start having some of those kind of more off the wall cult oriented NPCs. And it's oh. funny because those those are the ones I I posted because I was thinking about using them in a stream game, <laughs> not even using my games. So I'll have to share some with you. Yeah, I, I want to see them. I, li I like the uh, your approach to because you don't just you don't just dot them out. You you make a whole story. Um, oh yeah, I dot them out last or... if anything, if at all. Yeah, yeah. So well, I think one of the big pushes behind having the bloodline versus cult, I think the the um, the ability to have both obviously Hakata inspired that idea, right? Like, yeah. you know, of the Giovanni of the Hakata, you know, Samedi of the Hakata, that kind of thing. Um, and which I find really, really interesting and, and very cool to be able to not phase out because it doesn't feel like it's a retcon. It doesn't feel like we're 86ing yeah, Giovanni in, in lieu of Hakata. It feels like the vampires themselves who are a part of this cult or a part of this, this clan also have to like, there's a, an adjustment period. Yeah. And it's cool. I think um, you can keep them the same with disciplines and uh, things across the board that they have in common. And I think you can diversify those bloodlines by uh, mythical merits and flaws, which I think is what they're doing with the Giovanni with mm -hmm. the uh, needle bite. Yep. Which is funny because, yeah, that was a V20 um, flaw where anyone could have that painful bite, that uh, proxy kiss kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, McStabber is saying your volume has gotten a bit low compared to me. 
Well, so let's test this out and raise it up so that you can actually hear me. There Thank you go. For letting me know. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's it's smart. Like you said, it's not a retcon. It's it's an easy um, ground level way to incorporate all of them together in a way that's not going to confuse new players. And uh, I think that's one of the best things I like about V5. It's very approachable for new players to pick up because this is a game that's been out for almost 30 years now. Yeah. And um, it takes the character creation and a lot of different things uh, and the approach, and it kind of goes you through step by step, even with the lore now, which, um, I mean, myself and you who have been playing for quite a while, it it probably isn't as appreciated as to those who have started for the first time, and they're like, wow, that didn't take long at all. Like, I love it, I get it, and this is uh, fantastic, you know? Yeah, with a with a much more emphasis on personally, I I really like this new system. Um, v five is not new anymore, but I, I I really like how they have made it a little bit more intuitive, um, a little easier. You don't need four pages of character stuff anymore. Um, that your character sheet is is pretty lean at this point. Um, and you're not looking at, oh, God, look at all these dots. How do I get up there? We're, yeah. we're very limited. And there's some lore stuff that kind of explains that. But ultimately, I think it makes it less overwhelming. Um, and a lot of the people that we introduce this game to at PAX Unplugged and will be introducing to at PAX East and Gen Con um, will find it very refreshing. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are like, eh, I don't know, vampire seems a little cheesy and a little kind of dramatic and i like my dnd and i i know it and i don't want to have to learn another system um, not only does it is this system very easy to understand and learn but also there's a grit to it um there's kind of like this kind of street level the world is yeah. not as 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 large anymore which i like i mean i one I, thing one thing i think a lot of the new players i yeah i ran through um who are first time world of darkness players they were a lot of people who played D and D before. Yeah. When I started getting into it, they're like, "Oh yeah, like so. What year is this in? 2019, December. Yeah, now. Or, yeah, right now. And I'm like, whatever you can think of doing in the real world, you can do here. You can call somebody. You yeah. can hop in a. You can call an Uber. Like if if you tell me what you want to do, you can do it. Because uh, unlike a fantasy world, why where, where I have to describe an entire realm and maybe how magic works or doesn't work, you've lived here. You already know. If I set this game in your city, I'm going to be using your landmarks. Yeah, you're gonna. You could tell me, I want to go to this skeezy diner on Second Street, um, because it's full of so many low lives. I know I'm going to fit in, even if I'm covered with blood. Great, let's do that. And now that's a place in our chronicle. Whereas in a fantasy setting, you're like, okay, DM, what's in this town? Because this is fantasy, and I don't know where I'm going. You know. and, yeah, and that really helps the that helps the GM too, uh, or the storyteller, um, because collaborative storytelling. Yeah, and you can if you have someone say like in Philly, I know that some of you guys had a had a Philly based game. Um, yeah, the locals will be like, "I'm going to this place. It's on the street, and it's over here. I know exactly where it is." And you go, "Yes, it is there." <laughs> in fact, uh, Ravnos in his game was like, um, "Yeah, we're going to this place. Uh, what you see is," and they're like. You just described this exact, like, I go to work that way every day, and you just, 
you're not even from the area. Like, what'd you do? Look this place up? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that really, uh, hits home a lot of people. Uh, and, and that's another thing. I mean, we're, we're both you and I are, are in new England. Um, and there are surprisingly a lot of churches, even though we're in the North. Um, and there are a lot of really old churches. And Which of, is aesthetically really cool. Very cool. And to, and, and, you know, I mean, gothy, right? But, yeah. you know, there's a, a, for example, down the street from me, there's a giant Mormon temple. And it's insane. This building is huge. And there's only about five people to ten people in the building at a time. Always. There's never more than that. Um, having a setting that includes a cult made of kindred just makes sense, you know, yeah. um, and helps to kind of build out your cities on top of it as well. You know, what's when you're building out your city for a chronicle, you go, okay, what's in the church? Probably this mortal religion. Well, now you can have a kindred religion that's based in some building or what have you. Right. And um, shout out to our friend uh, Raylan from uh, Mixed Dabber Studios, who has uh, told us that this was uh, Raylan's first role-playing game. And wow. she has been playing for exactly one year, which is crazy to me to think about because she's so involved and passionate. And uh, I'm just happy to see that uh, people like her, who are not only just really special individuals, very friendly, outgoing, great members of the community, but that she's only been playing for a year and she has that much love for it. That's why. And it's... And it's because they released a new edition that maybe just fit well with people or who knows. But um, I, I know I introduced a friend of mine who has never played a role-playing game before. He was in my Salem game and uh, he took to it like a fish to water. Yeah. Uh, and it was amazing. And he loves it. He can't wait to play again. I can't wait to have him at my table again. Big but, uh, big, big shout out to McStabber Studios. Um, Raylan plays <clears throat> on DC by Night, which you can find... Sunday nights yep. on twitch.tv slash McStabber Studios. Um, it is our one of our affiliates, and it is pretty fantastic to see um, a, a, a few different players of a few different backgrounds, people who are veterans at the game. I know that, that uh, Bill is, is a longtime player of Vampire, um, and a few newbies like Ray Lynn and other people who are, you know, not necessarily new to Vampire, but new to V5, and it's it's a pretty fun one. Um, so <laughs> definitely check that out. And um, chat, because we're talking about the chat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a touch of you in our chat room right now says, I played with you guys at PAX U after years of wanting to, and now I'm completely hooked. You know how happy <laughs> that awesome. makes me? Oh, man. Who did, you, I had, uh, who did you play with? Who was your GM? Yeah, I want to know. Um, I, had, I talked about him on the stream uh Maybe last week, the three guys who were in my game who are now running games together from Boston. No, they're from Philly. Yeah. Uh, Omar Lewis. Yes, yeah. they were wonderful. I was talking with them for a little bit. They're fantastic. Oh, they're the nicest guys. Yeah, that they they still text me. They had their second session last week, and I'm like, oh boy, you got to get on Discord and tell everyone about it. Yeah, you know? for real, that's awesome. So we not only got people involved and, and excited to to play, but they are legitimately starting games. Like I kept. There was yeah. like a joke I was playing with myself with people of like, okay, when are you going to organize your, your home game? Ha ha. But it's great to hear that people are actually doing that. He played with uh, Donnie Mac. Ooh, the mansion, the, the Malk mansion. Dan McDonald. Yeah, great. 
Yeah, that was, uh, to be honest, sorry, but that one's my favorite uh, one <laughs> shot at, at Paxio. Well, he, he really thought it out really well. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty awesome. One shot for my D&D games. Absolutely. He would, he was, he's actually in this channel right now. He, uh, he said earlier that he's has it muted because he's at work or something, but, uh, I will tell him to scroll through the chat and read that. And, uh, he has been touched by the responses people have had to his game and I couldn't be more proud of the guy, you know? Yeah. uh, He's an animal. He basically lived in that room the entire weekend. And at a certain point there was some downtime and I said, Dan, do you want to uh, go walk around? No, I just, can we just play another game? Like, uh, we're not we're not really scheduled to play another game, but we can grab people and have them come play. So we were able to get some people who were waitlisted and unable to play in, in earlier sessions. Cause he just loves running games. If you are going to PAX East, we will be there and running games. We are going to have a much bigger team of GMs with us. Um, I believe- and we're always looking for more people. We have a, um, an application actually, yes. um, including what's going to be a vetting process to, um, just make sure that we have um, the same kind of goals in mind and not as, not necessarily the same style. People have different styles, but uh, just to make sure that we have like the same vision in mind um, that you treat players the same way. Like we like to treat players um, have the same kind of considerations. And I'm guessing if, uh, if, if you like what we do, you probably already have that. Um, but you know, we obviously take uh, a lot of pride in what we do. We want to make good, unique tabletop gaming experiences for whoever is interested, even if it's a, a one-time thing for them. We want them to go home thinking they tried something awesome, something new, and then uh, maybe try it again or tell a friend who's going to be interested in it. Uh, or even that's or even go and run a game themselves after playing a game. Saying, <laughs> even like better. This. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's, I mean, that's a common story with Vampire too. Like, I played it. I love it. No one is running it. I guess I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm I, I'm most excited for the other cons we're going to be going to just because uh, <laughs> so much has happened uh, that has come out of PAX East. <laughs> I, PAX I don't even know. What, yeah, PAX and Plug. I don't even know what's going to come out of the other ones we've got going on this year. Well, do you know, um, our, do you know our, our people goal? 2000, 2000 people, <laughs> 2000 people, 2020, 2000 people playing <clears throat> at our tables. Maybe uh, it could be possible. It it's doable with the, with the shows that we're, with the shows that we're going to be going to and yeah. um, introducing that many people to uh, the games that we love. So if you, if you are going to PAX East or, or Gen Con or some of the other local um, local events and, and we're even going to start running games at local shops too so keep an eye out if you want to be involved go to our website gehennagaming.com there's an application that you can fill out um if you want to get if you are going to pax east um and you do want to get into a game for sure early and not have to deal with all the waiting in line and sign up mess you can go onto our patreon um there is a tier where you can uh that allows you to sign up early um and we will put you on our very special VIP list where you will have your own very special game um, and kind of bump up the front of the line if you'd like. Yeah, and um, Epic Pones says, uh, man, I wish PAX East wasn't so full of people or I'd totally play with you all there. Um, if crowds are a thing, because crowds aren't always my thing. Yeah, mine either. Although I, I really like the crowd at PAX East. 
Uh, we had a great like crowd. A, it was like it, the whole experience is great. It was like a tribe of people who are just happy to be themselves, happy to be there, and uh, having no inhibition about why they were there to play games and to have fun. You know, everyone there's a geek <laughs> of uh, different ages and different demographics, right? Um, but if crowds aren't your thing, um, let us know. I mean, it's in Boston. We live in the Boston area. Uh, we're not opposed to getting together, um, doing a one shot for you. Like like we uh, like Mark was saying, we're looking into different stores locally and uh, running games. There's been a couple of different shops in my area that I've reached out to, and some that have reached out to us. Like Pop Culture, I mentioned earlier, uh, wanted us to run uh, a bunch of different games on like a, a game day, which is flattering and really cool, right? Um, but we just love to run games. So whether that's at a convention, a store, uh, whatever, uh, we'll work with you. If crowds aren't your thing, we can do an online game. We can do one in person. That's, um, we that's, want to play really with good you. Point. Yeah, it's a really yeah. good point. We have uh, we we are looking to start kind of bolstering some of the the local game assistance, online game um, support, and start running games for people who aren't don't necessarily want to go to the conventions. Um, we obviously aren't running games only at conventions, um, like Dev said. But um, if you do want to find out more information, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, Twitter um, is at Gehenna Gaming. Um, we are also on Facebook, which is Gehenna Games. Um, and, of course, our Discord, which you can find a link to on our Twitter. Um, there's a lot of really amazing people, um, who, some of whom are in the room right now. Hello, everybody. They're um, too good for me. I don't know why they're there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that we are getting to uh, getting to a point where we are reaching near the end of this stream. Um, so I just want to give you a couple more links. The uh, Kickstarter is still running yes. for Cult of the Blood Gods. If you haven't backed it, please, please, please do. Let's try to get them to 200,000. Um, so hopefully we can get you know some more content, some amazing more uh, content from Onyx Path. Um, the Fall of London you can get from Modifius, which is also fantastic. The artwork is unbelievable. Yeah, the artwork in both books is great. Um, I do have the PDF of Fall of London, and um, I haven't finished the story of it yet, but it's it's got a lot of really deep and interesting stuff. I think that was another passion project of uh, Dawkins, who worked with Modifius on that one, with a bunch of other extremely talented writers, has um, always seemed to find their way into vampire books, primarily. Not all of them, right? But um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, I do. But um, in any case, uh, you know, a lot of people say you vote with your wallet. So um, if you like something, um, pitch in. You'll probably see more. Where can people follow you or find you? They can find me almost everywhere. <laughs> I'm your Twitter. It's Def Malkavian. Uh My Facebook is pretty easy to find. I even have more Gehenna Gaming stuff on my LinkedIn now. Because that's professional, I guess. Yeah, wow. right. yeah. Impressive. My company's going to get scared away from me now. Mm-hmm. going to be like, what? I don't know about this. What? Gehenna? Um... What? Total denial of possibility. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not shy. I, I like making uh, new friends. I like talking to people in any media I can. So reach out. I like people saying hi. So people can find you on Twitter at Def Malkavian. People can find me on Twitter at Marchosius with fives instead of S's. Um, the person Why is who, 
the person who owns the at Marchosius has not been on Twitter since 2012. I'm hunting oh. him down, and I'm going to take that name. Um, Can you put in like a request to? Uh... Already working on it. Yeah, yep. I'm just going to say that they died and they're your uncle. <laughs> well, no, there's a whole there's a whole methodology. <laughs> Let's wrestle. I'm calling you out, Marchosius. You and me, cage match. No holds barred. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to keep laughing. We got to (laughs) go. Okay. uh, Goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. Um, Yeah, thank you for joining us. Yeah, Colts of the Blood Gods. Go buy it. Thank you for listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast. Your attention has been noted. You can find us online at GehennaGaming.com, on Twitter at GehennaGaming, Twitch.tv slash GehennaGaming, and Patreon.com slash GehennaGaming. And remember, the devil doesn't roll for initiative. Initiative rolls for the devil.